Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Working for a Living, where progressives for change present opinions that matter. Tonight, we are joined by co-host, David Fillion, and I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. We certainly hope that everyone had a wonderful Labor Day last weekend and enjoyed your holiday with your family. We have a few announcements. First one, number one, is on Wednesday, September 7th, Cindy Estrada, Vice President of the UAW General Motors Department, lost her husband, Frank White. Frank was himself a renowned union leader in his own right. Working for a living sends all of our heartfelt best wishes in this time of grievance that they have in their fam- with their family and friends. Second announcement. Also, today is the 15th anniversary of the 9-11 tax on the United States. For some, that grief never goes away. May we please observe a moment of silence for both the passing of Frank White and the 15th anniversary of 9-11. Thank you, brothers, sisters, and listeners. Third announcement, the Honeywell workers remain locked out by the plant management. Fourth announcement, uh, remember to participate in the Working for a Living writing campaign to the United States Senate to oppose the Trans-Pacific Partnership. We've heard a lot about that lately, and uh, we don't need to go into that anymore, I believe. Not this time, unless anybody has any questions. Uh, Number five, during the week before Labor Day weekend, the 25 executive officers of Unifor in Canada were elected at their convention, and Unifor selected General Motors as their strike target. Number six, last weekend Volkswagen bought 16, last week Volkswagen bought 16.6% of Navistar, bringing the Volkswagen group to 13 motor vehicle nameplates. And as the uh, Volkswagen had made over $55 billion in profits last year, in the, in the past, I'm sorry, in the past five years, uh, they could uh, easily see their way to pay their employees, some of whom are our members, more wages and benefits. Number seven, by way of update, there has been an arrest made in the shootings that occurred in local union, UAW Local Union 555, and there's been an arrest made in the axe vandalism in the parking lot of the GM Flint Truck Assembly and later to UAW Region 1D. Again, there's been arrests in both of those incidents in the past uh, four or five days. Uh, Number eight, uh, last uh, item we have here, the saga of the straight party voting 
in Michigan has finally ended, and there will be straight party voting on Election Day, Tuesday, November 8, 2016, in the state of Michigan. So that's done, put to bed, and everybody can rest uh, now after all of that fight. Uh, and uh, that's supposed to be a good thing for working men and women for that. Uh, uh, on to emails and comments. Uh, we have number one, uh, only one email here. Uh, I am very sad at the passing of Cindy Estrada's husband, Frank White, and my prayers are with her and her family from Herb in Florida. Herb, thank you very much. You always seem to know uh, what to write and when to write it. Uh, we haven't heard from you in a couple of weeks, but uh, thank you for that email. Um, up next is uh, This Week in Worker News. But before I get into those topics, I'd like to remind everybody of Aristotle's statements. It's uh, profound. I've always found it to be very interesting. He said, a problem defined is a problem half solved. So just sitting down and talking about it, identifying it, oftentimes uh, gets you headed toward the solution. Uh, let me bring on our co-host tonight, um, David Fillion. And hi, David. How are you doing tonight? Real good, Leroy. How are you? Beautiful day Pretty in good. Michigan today. Oh, yeah. It's just, just picture perfect, a little cool. Uh, but it's been a real nice day, a few, you know, a few clouds now and then. Um, uh, but uh, it was a beautiful Sunday here, uh, and yeah, one of the last weekends of the technical summer. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little uh, tired today. Uh, I did a lot of work around here today, but it was a great day for getting it done. Well, that's good. It's time to do that fall stuff around the house. Um, yeah, it's getting to that point. I'm looking at a lot of windows that need cleaning. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think you have something for us uh, about the performance bonus uh, at General Motors. David, would you like to uh, tell us about that? Yeah. Um, the performance okay. bonus payment and in-progression wage increase um, that was negotiated in the national agreement Um going to be paid to eligible employees equal to 4% um, of their qualified earnings for the 52 consecutive pay periods immediately preceding the pay period in which September 18, 2016 falls. Um, UAW represented members who have seniority as of September 18, 2016 who are otherwise qualified will receive a performance bonus payment during week ending October 16, 2016. Members covered under the Memorandum of Understanding in the UAW GM Wage Benefit Agreement for employees in progression are not eligible for the 2016 performance bonus payment. However, eligible in progression employees will receive wage increase in, in accordance with the Memorandum of Understanding um, UAW GM wage and benefit agreement on September 19th of 2016. Qualified earnings um, are defined as hourly base wages, ship premium, vacation entitlement, holiday pay, seven-day operator premium, bereavement pay, jury duty, apprentice pay, call-in pay, short-term military duty, back pay awards related to 
um, designated eligibility year. This also includes um, their overtime Saturday, Sunday, and holiday premium payments. So that'll be happening for them um, this week. Okay. Well, thank you, uh, David. And uh, um, I have the uh, Ford section of their bonus. Uh, it's much the same as what David just uh, outlined. You must uh, qualify under Section 2A of the agreement, and uh, that says employees whose straight-time hourly rate, uh, wage rate was $27.82.5 or more as of the effective date of this agreement, uh, and uh, that will be the qualifier, and they get a 3% last year and a 3% in the, uh, the coming year in 17. Uh, and once you qualify that way, uh, the performance bonus payments are uh, uh, paragraph one. Uh, the performance bonus provided for in this subsection recognizes the principle that a continuing improvement in the standard of living of employees depends upon technological progress, better tools, methods, processes, and equipment, and a cooperative attitude on the part of all parties in such progress. It further recognizes the principle that to produce more with the same amount of human effort is a sound economic and social objective, period. Second, uh, it's not a numbered paragraph, but a second paragraph in one. Accordingly, it is agreed that the following performance bonus payment shall be made to each eligible employee who was an eligible, who was el also eligible to receive a general wage increase in accordance with Section 2A above, in accordance with the following table. Now, I just read you 2A uh, a moment ago. That that qualifier was 27 dollars 82 and a half cents and in the case of the 2016 uh, bonus that eligibility date is September 19 2016 for a 4% of qualified earnings and that's payable during the week ending October 16th again that you have an eligibility date September 19th 2016 for 4% of your qualified earnings, October 16, 2016. And qualified earnings are your hourly base wage, your shift premium, crew premium, vacation and excused absence allowance, holiday pay, seven-day operations bonus, bereavement pay, jury duty pay, apprentice training incentive payment, call-in pay, short-term military pay, pay uh, back pay, awards related to designated eligibility year. Having said all of that, there seems to be quite a bit of consternation uh, that's been going on, uh, going on in the um, face, social media, Facebook and, uh, and others, regarding this paragraph one of the performance bonus payments, in particular the last sentence, and I want to go over this again. It further, this is, again, this is agreed to by both management and the union in their negotiations at the international level. 
this last sentence, let me repeat this. It further recognizes the principle that to produce more with the same amount of human effort is a sound economic and social objective. Produce more with the same amount of human effort after they have harvested the workforce to the point where it's virtually unsafe and accidents are going up all around these corporations, not just the Detroit Three, I might add. But in this instance, in the Ford Agreement, not in the General Motors Agreement, this language is in here. It's been agreed to by the parties at the national level and ratified pending appeal by the membership. I want to just point something out. According to the National Labor Relations Act that's enforced by the National Labor Relations Board, the union is obligated to negotiate for wages, working conditions, and hours of employment in the interest of the membership. Again, wages, working conditions, and hours of employment in the interest of the membership. There is no way possible that you can say to your membership, we want you to make the same amount of money, but we want you to produce more product for that same amount of money that can possibly be misconstrued in any way, shape, or form in the interest of the membership. But yet and still that contract language is in this contract in the Ford Agreement. I think we need a change in leadership of people that put this sort of language, it's all brand new language, in the agreement. Whoever did this needs to be replaced in no uncertain terms. Having said that, let me move on to my retiree friends. Your performance bonus. In all three, Detroit three, there was none. Not that you're supposed to get one, but there was none. There's been takeaways. Your Viva, Cola Ketchup, that's about $2,000 there. We've yet to get our legal benefit back. We didn't have dental or vision for a very long time. No bonus for you. And if that angers you in the face of having companies making $9 billion, and you'll hear in a few minutes about an adjusted rate for the Ford Corporation, around $10 billion this year, and they keep taking stuff away from the actives and the retirees, making them work harder for the same amount of money. If that angers you, then you need to join 
working for a living to end that. Because we aspire to end it. We aspire to replace each and every one of the people that put this language in this agreement and other bad language in other parts of this agreement and the other two Detroit Three agreements as well and into the other units that we represent in the IPS and the TOPS department divisions of the UAW. This has to end. And that ends in the first week of June 2018. Needs to end, brothers and sisters. This sort of language in these agreements needs to end. It is not in the interest of the membership. Not. Ever higher wages, ever fewer hours is in the Constitution of the UAW. There's an appeal there, but it's past time. But there's so many appeals going on right now, you'll hear more about that later in the show. Having said that, we've covered General Motors and Ford, uh, Chrysler's the same, and we kind of banged on the retirees a little bit so far. I uh, believe that David has some more stuff he'd like to tell us about uh, on a different matter. Uh, David, unless you have something else to add on to what my report or your report was uh, on these issues. Um, I'd like to mention that uh, along with the other issues um, and benefits that have been taken from the retirees or the uh, Medicare reimbursement, um, they lost that as well. If you add all of that up, it comes to about four grand um, since 1981. Um, when we joined operations, as our union officials would like us to believe, um, we have steadily declined um, in our bargaining um, with the corporations, and now we find ourselves at the point where you find this language in the Ford contract. Um, that all does have to end, just like you said, Leroy. Um, this is a labor union, um, partners with corporations. We're laborers, and management is capital. It's always been that way, and it always will be that way. There is no other way. That's about all I have to say about that, Leroy. Okay. Thank you, David. Uh, well, we... Uh, 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 have the issue of the Ford profit sharing. And I would like to tell you a little bit about that. Uh, I mentioned a minute ago that we uh, are hearing about corporations and reading about corporations that are making 9 and $10 billion. And let me remind everybody that to take every tier two, the 20% of them, roughly, except for Chrysler, every tier two and put them to tier one wages, legacy wages, whatever you want to call them, it takes about a third of a billion dollars. A third of a billion dollars for GM, a third of a billion dollars for Ford. 
and a little more for Chrysler because they have more tier two. But to bring everybody up to that top wage is about a third of a billion. That means that 10.2 billion, well, the General Motors made a little over nine, and Ford is forecasting 10.2. Uh, they could pay for a whole lot of uh, clawback for these folks that are making half wage, and that's simply unacceptable to making half wage working next to somebody doing the same job. Okay. Last week, Thursday the 8th, Ford announced that it's going to have a adjusted pre-tax profit forecast of 10.8 billion and they adjusted it down to 10.2 billion. And that was reduced by 640 million dollars due to expanded vehicle recall. That was again announced uh, what they said here on Thursday last week. And that recall dealt with the uh, side door latches that may come unhinged while vehicles are in motion. And we've heard about that ad nauseum on the news and in, on our show here as well. So I uh, just want to point out, that's a lot of money for these corporations to be making. After, let, let's, let's keep it in perspective, after they've squirreled it away in every little hole that they can find, every nook and cranny around the globe that they can find to put money in before they have to show it as a profit. They've done that, and it's still coming out their back pockets as they walk down the street at $10.2 billion adjusted down by $640 million. By the way, that $640 million that they had in recall pays for two years' wages of everybody to be a top wage. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah. When you put an economic argument to the monies that they're making versus what they're paying, it's just simply unfair. And in addition to that, we got to deal with the language that I just read about to you, the listeners, a few minutes ago. So... This is just greed at its glutinous epitome. It's just absolutely horrible. So, uh, but again, we're on it tonight, folks. Uh, it's not good what's going on. And they've got people actually convinced that that language I read that's not in the interest of the membership is okay. They have workers and retirees mind frame to the point where they say this is okay. It's okay. So, but uh, having said that, I uh, I know that David has another issue he'd like to uh, uh, talk about here on the show this evening. Uh, uh, by the way, our friend Jeff couldn't make it tonight. Uh, he's predisposed, and uh, hopefully he'll be back with us next week. Uh, he is a very good asset to our show. I uh, just couldn't make it this evening. Uh, 
we're looking forward to Jeff coming back. And that's why it's kind of going back and forth between David and myself. Uh, and we've had some, so everybody knows, uh, some attacks on our team. And we're trying to keep the team a little more uh, behind the scenes from this point forward. You're only going to see a few of us out here. Uh, but we have quite a, a large contingent of other folk uh, that are rallying around this, and um, we're just not going to put them at risk because there's politics being played. And I want to assure not only the union, but management, Union politics belongs in the union. Union politics is protected union activity under Section 7 of the National Labor Relations Act. And it is an unfair labor practice by either party should they cross the line. Understand that. We know the address of the National Labor Relations Board. Everybody pay attention to what I just said. Won't stand for too much more of that without some pushback. All right. Now you got it. We're all on the same page now, aren't we? Okay. So having said that, uh, uh, David, uh, would you like to talk about that next uh, item uh, that uh, you have that you'd like to educate the listeners about? Sure would. Um, I want to go back to uh, September of uh, 2015. Um what was uh, dubbed as the diesel dupe. Um, September of last year, the Environmental Protection Agency found that many VW cars that were sold in America had a defeat device on them um, in diesel engines that could detect when they were being tested, um, changing the performance according to improved results. The German car giant... Um, since admitted cheating emissions tests in the U.S. Um, they, uh, the um, push to sell, they had been um, putting forward a push to sell these diesel cars in the U.S. and put together a huge marketing campaign trumping its low car emissions. Um, but the EPA's findings um covered 482,000 cars in the U.S. only, including VW-manufactured Audi 3s and the VW models Jetta Beetle, Golf, and Passat. But VW um, admitted then that about 11 million cars worldwide, including 8 million in Europe, are fitted with this so-called defeat device. Um, and... What that basically does and is is software on the on the cars. Um, what happens is when these cars are um, 
put into a controlled laboratory conditions, um, which typically involves putting them in a stationary test rig. We call it a DVT in the plants to test emissions. Um, I don't know how the states test these or the government. Um, the device appears to put the vehicle into a sort of a safety mode in which the engine ran slow to low normal power and performance. However, once these cars are out on the road, the engines switch out of this test mode and perform um, as they should. Um, the result of this, the engines emitted nitrogen oxide pollutants up to 40 times above what is allowed in the United States. Um, so that's a little history of this issue going back to last September. This week, um, we had uh, news come out on Friday that um, one of the engineers um, for Volkswagen is pleaded guilty in um, U.S. Um, court for his role in rigging emissions software on the two-liter diesel sold in the U.S., marketing the first, marking the first criminal charge in the U.S. government probe into their VW scandal. Um, James Robert Liang um, was indicted. Um, he appeared in district court in Detroit in June, and um, the documents of that uh, proceeding that day were unsealed. Um, Liang pleaded guilty to one count of conspiracy to defraud the United States, commit wire fraud, and violate the Clean Air Act. The Justice Department um, in a statement that Liang has agreed um, to cooperate with the government in its ongoing investigation. This is part of his plea agreement. Um, that could put um, some serious pressure on other high-ranking um, officials of the German automaker. Um, the um, Commission's violation, including excerpts, revealing emails sent among VW engineers amid scrutiny from regulators before the diesel cheating became public last fall. Um, Liang is coming here to... This is a statement from his attorney. Um, Liang is coming here to Detroit today to accept responsibility for his actions. Um, he is remorseful. So um, that's where that issue is right now. Um, I believe okay. that's about uh, the extent of that for right now, Leroy, as far as much as we know. Um, okay. So. Thank you, David. We do have a number of callers in the switchboard. If anybody has uh, anything they'd like to say or ask a question, comment on anything, please just press 1 and we'll get you on. Uh, you, uh, uh, your comments are always welcome here. Uh, so having don't see any at the moment. So having said that, we'll, uh, we'll move forward uh, with the next item. Uh, Thank you, David, for that. I don't have anything to add to that. It uh, pretty much speaks for itself. This engineer is now uh, pled guilty. Uh, and 
justice has been served <laughs> or will be <laughs> kind of interesting. Uh, so having said that, um, uh, our last issue, it's kind of been carried over for a couple of weeks. We've been wanting to talk about it, and then we had the holiday where we abated our program to be uh, respectful of Labor Day last weekend, so we didn't have a show. So this one's a little uh, behind the curve, but we really thought it would probably be more cogent uh, the team uh, when we talked about it probably after the holiday, uh, Labor Day holiday. So um, the issue is a third labor party. Uh, and um, we're going to have a little back and forth. And if anybody wants to say anything, just uh, go ahead and raise your hand by plus pushing one. Because uh, I know there's a few people that knew about this coming up. Uh, and might want to say something. This is your opportunity to have written in or commented or now uh, come in and talk about this right here on the show for all of uh, everyone to hear. So uh, this, again, about a uh, uh, labor or a workers' party as a strong third labor party. And we have five comments or emails. Uh, and on the show, uh, we have stopped giving last names uh, of anybody that contacts the show for obvious reasons, and we only give their state, not their city, even though we may have both their last name on their city. Not always, but we do. Uh, in these instances, I believe we know everybody pretty much up and down here. So, uh, so uh, the first... Uh, comment uh, is from Ralph in New York, and he states, Sisters and brothers, in post-World War II, workers decided not to form a labor party. Not to form a labor party after World War II. So that's the essence of what he said. I just read it verbatim to you. Uh, so Ralph from New York, thank you for your comment. Uh, we appreciate it a, a great deal, uh, taking the time to, uh, uh, you know, write something for this discussion. Uh, David, do you have anything to comment on that particular uh, issue about post-World War II? They didn't want to have a labor mm -hmm. party? No, um, no. Okay. No. Um, well, it, that's it, all news. Yeah, it's kind of widely known that the uh, uh, Walter Ruther uh, did have an opportunity to start a labor party, and he chose not to uh, do that. So that's that is old news, uh, and it's really not pertinent to what we're trying to affect here. A discussion about having one today, uh, because times have changed since the early '50s when that decision was made. So uh, we have. Uh, Scott from Michigan uh, has uh, said, uh, advan this is the, the comment, I uh, can't remember the email comment, but I think it's fine. Uh, advantage, fair and equitable representation, disadvantage, no solidarity, every man for himself, brought on by discriminatory contracts that divide. 
Thank you, Scott, from Michigan, for your wonderful uh, input to this roundtable discussion. So I'll ask David first. Uh, David? I don't really have a comment to that either, Leroy. Um, okay. Okay. All right. Uh, my you, 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 yeah. Uh, okay. Well, you know, it's uh, fair and equal representation. Um, you know, if you started a third party, likely it would not have super delegates in it. It would be, you sure. know, one person, one vote without a super delegate, and third labor party, and that's an advantage to uh, people such as uh, Bernie. And, you know, he put on a, quite a show, but he just simply couldn't win with all the superdelegates on the other side and, and a lot of people knowing that during the election, why vote for Bernie? It's a waste to vote because look at all the superdelegates. So, uh, you know, that, that happened to him. So we're, we're uh, you know, if, if a third party were to take uh, hold, uh, I'm quite sure that the organizers would say, as Scott has indicated here, it would be fair and equal representation. The disadvantage would be you wouldn't have the solidarity that exists in the institutional uh, uh, institutions that exist right now for support of either Republican or Democratic Party, and it'd be more like every man for himself, brought only by discriminatory brought on by discriminatory contracts that divide. And we're seeing that division on a lot of the social media pages as the, the, this whole election unfolds. Uh, so that is uh, something that you'd, you'd have to really take a look at, you know, the, the practice of labor in a labor organization uh, you know, as such as a party uh, what are the practices that divide people in the whole process? So that would that would be something that would, uh, as God has indicated, have to be taken a look at as well. You'd want to have folk that made the same amount of money doing the same work. Okay, now uh, the third comment. This one is from Scott from Illinois. Uh, and the comment is, I'd say labor can't even build a cohesive movement on their own. That's why they've latched onto the Democratic Party elite. They're hoping they'll play nice, just like the companies do. In the end, they've sold out to the corporatists in the boardrooms and the halls of Congress. Thank you, Scott, from Illinois, for that comment. We really appreciate that. Um, any comments, David, on that one? No. Okay. Well, it kind of speaks for itself. I mean, it, it, you know, there's a lot of apathy going on, notwithstanding that there's some uh, lot, a lot of dissension on social media, but there's an awful lot of apathy uh, in uh, the silent majority that we I don't like how come to know that I'm seeing. seeing. Among our members. Right. A lot of infighting. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I don't I don't care for any of that. Um I, at all. Right. Well we we on the on the team working for a living 
try not to have a lot of infighting. We do our best to be even killed. Nobody's perfect, but we do our best to be even killed and try and mitigate some of those things that are uh, uh, divisive and also add some education, as was the case on a long thread today where we'd already talked about some things in the uh, show some time ago in one instance, actually five months ago, and then just our last regular show that Sunday, we had talked about the issue that was being discussed on the on the uh, thread. So we put that out uh, as a way of education to, to help people understand that this is being discussed uh, right here on Working for Eleven radio show at Blog Talk Radio. So, uh, so that's the third one. Uh, the fourth one's from Billy from Tennessee. I identify myself as a trade unionist, not a Democrat or a Republican. Again, I identify myself as a trade unionist, not a Democrat or a Republican. And that is, there's a lot to be said for Billy in this day and age, and especially this election as a trade unionist. And I don't know if that's implicit that he'd like to see a trade unionist labor party. Uh, or worker party, I'm not sure, but uh, it, it, it is uh, an interesting comment, and I appreciate it. David, do you have anything to say on that? Yeah, he's an independent thinker, being yes. influenced by all the infighting that he's seeing, and uh, I commend him on that. He's taking a look at yeah. the issues from both sides of the aisle, and uh, I'm not sure if he's looking at a third party, or not, but he isn't. He is thinking independently for himself. Right. Right. Okay. So um, I I I like to see that. <clears throat> I really do because once you uh, once you identify yourself in the political arena as a trade unionist, you look at the issues, and from time to time we look at the issues, and we put the uh, letter behind the person or uh, entity that is pushing uh, one way or the other. We pretty much stay away from politics unless it's absolutely tied to labor on the show and on our pages and website. But occasionally when it comes to light, we will educate people on what letter is behind a person's name, whatever that letter is. So... Um, we're having a little background noise as the uh, finest folk uh, drive by here. So uh, on our fifth, uh, this was an email, came in, Hank from Ohio. Uh, He said uh, the following, uh, I think the benefits would have to be down-to-earth candidates would be to have down-to-earth candidates who actually have done hard work for a living and not all of these elitists just because they've graduated from some faraway college that said they are somehow more qualified than working people. Interesting. And the disadvantage is that it would take a lot of effort and time to organize such an entity. So, uh, David, any comments on on Hank's 
Uh, um, I'm in agreement with him. Um, any third-party candidate um, should come from a working background um, if they're to benefit labor. Um, they would have a better insight to the issues that uh, workers face on a daily basis in plants and uh, grocery stores everywhere. Um, so they would be a, a better candidate um, to um, be a third-party candidate. Um, that's my opinion of that. Um, I am good old, com- I like good old common sense. Yeah, good old common yes. sense. Yeah. yeah, and you know, as a, a young uh, person uh, told me recently that you can learn anything on the internet in this day and age, anything. And uh, this person was quite dismissive about higher education and and organized form because uh, their peers who have gone to uh, higher education universities and, and other institutions, they have not gotten any smarter. They just learned how to pass the class with what's called rote memory. You learn something for 30 days and then forget it. And this person understood that. Uh, so uh, good old common sense, uh, being you know, applying your energies toward uh, a, a project, much like what David is doing uh, on his own lake there, that he's uh, really doing some uh, yeoman's work, uh, uh getting right down to the nitty-gritty of, of all of the things regarding the lake. Uh, and this is, I really applaud David for doing that. Uh, and there are people running around that would say, um, yes, <laughs> we're, we're educated. Yeah. But apply it. So that, that's what we want to see. Apply it to the benefit and betterment of the earth greater community and that's not being done anytime lately by a lot of people there's some good ones out there don't get me wrong i have some very good friends who are amazing people amazing leaders and they happen to be educated most of them but on the other hand there's some folks out there that are educated that really sort of make you go hmm make you wonder so uh that's what this is speaking to some good old-fashioned common sense and, of course, there's a, the disadvantage of trying to put that together would take time, effort, energy, and commitment by folks that are already entrenched in the other uh, entities. So that would be difficult to achieve. Having said that, uh, what do you think, David? Do you think a third party, labor party, is uh, – just wrap it up because that's our last – uh, comment or, or uh, email. Last one was an email, by the way. Um, so, um, what do you think? Is it is, is it viable? Should we try it? You know, is it, it undoable? You know, it's not, you know something you can't get done. What are your thoughts? I'm thinking that uh, possible. Um, I think those parties, that third party candidate, should come, like I said, from. Um, a working environment. Um, you shouldn't be beholding to 
Wall Street. Um, and uh, he should have the interest of workers at heart. And uh, I would like to say this, uh, particularly about the two-party system that we have now. Um, we have two candidates care for either one of them. Um, first of all, um, Mr. Trump, he wants our workers to make less money. And then on the other hand, um, we have uh, Mrs. Clinton, um, who has in the past suggested that she supports the Trans-Pacific Partnership. And we have a current sitting president. Uh, if he believes that uh, his support for the Trans-Pacific Partnership sits well with labor, um, he's mistaken. And he's doing nothing but harming the party by supporting this. And it's my belief that Hillary Clinton will tell anybody anything that uh, she has to tell in order to get elected. But after she steps into that office, um, it's my belief and my opinion that well, she, she will continue to support um, Barack, Barack Obama's um, commitment to the TPP. And uh, I'm totally against that agreement. It'll be bad for workers. We're going to lose more work in this country. And uh, so having said that, um, either party seems to be working in the favor of uh, labor. And it's quite possibly it is time for a third party. Is it possible? All right. I don't know. But uh, it's something that needs to be looked at. Thank you, David. I really appreciate that input. Uh, I'll take a stab at it. I uh, would like to say, first of all, something similar to what David said regarding the two parties. We have a mutual friend, David and myself, and the rest of the team knows this person, who we hold in high regard. And this person, you notice I'm not using gender because we're real sensitive to identifying anybody these days on the show because of what's been going on. Having said that, this person said to me about, I'm going to say, four and a half months ago, this person said to me, we have two capitalist parties. But we have, I'm sorry, one capitalist party with two wings. I'm, I'm sorry, I misspoke spoke that. We have one capitalist party with two wings, and that's what we're seeing. And I think everybody in this country can see the same thing. That's a problem because they're both beholden to corporate America, not just Wall Street where people make money buying and selling stock, but corporate America that make decisions on 
working men and women's lives, those people that we aspire to represent in teamwork and for a living on this show, on our Facebook page, and on our website, and all the other social media. I can't in good conscience say that either party truly has our best interest in mind with all the money that corporate America is throwing at them. And I know that to be a fact. I'm a treasurer of a pack, poor pack, by the way, but I'm treasurer of a political action committee. And I file a, a very lengthy report pre-election and post-election for the primary and the general. And it has to be spot on. But I see who's getting the money because I look at the other campaign candidate uh, committees and the other PACs. I see where the money's coming from. And it's not coming from working for a living sort of people. The big money's coming from and those, those people that get courted uh, by the politicians later come from the developers and corporations around this country. So having said that, about a, la- a third labor party, you know, I did some numbers in the UK, and... There are some 500,000 Labor Party. All the other six parties total, the other five parties were 440,000 combined in my research for this. So the Labor Party in the United Kingdom and if it came to be here, would dwarf any other party, any other party. All of them combined wouldn't be as much because there's more of us than there are of all the other folks. Just look at how the money's uh, uh, been uh, allocated these, you know, these days. It's held by you know, less than 1% controls like 90, 95% of the wealth in our our country. There's not many of them, but there's a whole lot of us. So I think it makes sense to do that. I think it makes sense not to have a superdelegate system in such a party. And I think that people in the next couple of years, three or four years, need to sit down and take a hard look at the plight of working men and women in the face of the end of work that we talked about our August 28th show, and it was widely talked about today in social media with automation, robotics, artificial intelligence coming in that have targeted a decade out to end farm work, possibly end delivery work, maybe end fast food, hourly wage work. It really is. Just like the driverless car is coming. Last week, the United States Senate passed some bills that are, you know, ready to facilitate a driverless car. And I 
picture of one on, on the Internet. It's an Uber car that has no driver in it, and they're being tested in a city, I believe, somewhere in Pennsylvania. I don't know the exact name of the city, but um, these these things are happening. They're, they're happening right before our eyes. And nobody's talking about what they should be doing with working men and women as we get phased out. It's just simply unfair to house us in homeless hotels like they're doing here in mid-Michigan with a hotel they've just identified it as a homeless hotel. Tried to close it here last week and a half ago. Thank you, Mike. Mike You're Carl. talking about um, Mike Carl's um, right. venture. Right. Um, Thank, but right. He, Thank. He's done a very good job with that. I'm right. very sorry yes, for what happened there. Yep. Thank you, brother, for doing all the work that you're doing on behalf of these people, getting them off the street so they can have a roof over their head and maybe a meal or two during the day. Thank you, brother Mike Carl, for that. We we really appreciate all you're doing. We know you are a minister on a lot of the social media pages, uh, and we thank you for that work as well. Uh, so, But having said that, this, this stuff's going on, and the politicians in the uh, one corp- corporate party with two wings don't seem to be addressing it very well. Now, I mentioned two weeks ago on August 28th that the J- Japanese had two robots and they're going to have one pay, pay for one person. Again, we don't know how that was administered, if at all, but that was a plan that they came up with, and nobody's had a plan. And this is on the horizon. We can see it coming. I can tell you that in Flint, they built a brand-new motor plant, and the writer, reporter, asked General Motors Management, how many new people are you going to add with this new motor plant? And without missing a beat and without any animus at all, any, any bad feeling, the manager said, zero. Not one new person will be added in this brand new plant. And that comes from like language where we just, that we just talked about here a while ago, where you do more for the same amount of money. That stock stuff has got to end. It's got to end in politics. It's got to end in the contracts. It's got to end when it comes time to... Uh, dealing with the onset of artificial intelligence. I wrote and, and published a one-page uh, uh, article about what we can expect in a few years. And I disseminated that to some of the politicians. That they, they looked at me like, yeah, you've kind of lost your mind. They won't be doing that 10 years from now, I guarantee you, because we – we, a lot of us, a lot of us demonstrate some vision. And through those discussions, we formulate articles along those lines with some vision to them. We have some serious problems, and they're not being dealt with with the two parties that are there. And we got to change that. It's that damn simple, having said that. Uh, anything else, David, on that issue? No. Okay. Uh, one last thing. 
a little bit on the appeals. Uh, if anybody's in the switchboard want to raise their hand by pressing 1 uh, any, at any time, uh, see a friendly number there. Uh, I'm happy to see that friendly number among the others. Uh, but I, uh, I'll just give you a brief update. Um, uh, the uh, appeal from the Ford Local 600 on the ethics violations regarding the election, the last election to be held in the Ford uh, uh, Division of the UAW, Department of the UAW, uh, is at the Public Review Board. A number of people have supported it, uh, including uh, DisputeThis.org. You can see their uh, uh, support over there on their uh, website. Uh, this is an organization that uh, we're friends with. I don't think anybody actually belongs to it, but we're friendly with and collaborate on certain projects with them from time to time. Not all projects uh, because they're doing some different things than what we are here. But they're friendly, and so they've supported this appeal by Art Peterson. And a lot of other people have as well. We want to point that out. Uh, so that uh, having said that, that appeal is at the Public Review Board, and uh, we're waiting for their decision uh, as that's been, uh, gone forward into them. Uh, actually, we're waiting on another, I believe, another answer from uh, the uh, International UAW legal department. They have one more answer, and then there will be an opportunity to respond to them. Uh, and then if uh, the uh, public review board holds a hearing or whatever they deem necessary, that's where the status on that one is. Uh, there's another appeal. There were a number of uh, these appeals. Uh, Chrysler, uh, was the problem was not identified early, so these appeals were submitted at, in the second bargaining unit uh, uh, cycle, and that was General Motors. And there were a number of these submitted, and one has survived. And we thank the brother that's doing that a great deal. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, we're assisting uh, the writing uh, of the appeal there. Um, I actually wrote the last one. We'll probably be doing this one uh, in the process of doing it as we speak, actually. Uh, so, but the, that is at the Public Review Board and has been answered by the legal department of the uh, International Union, IEB, International Executive Board. So there will be uh, an answer. It's not required to what they had to say in their answer, in their uh, answer to uh, this answer, you know, a lot of answers going on there, but uh, you, you put it in and then they have a chance to respond, which they did, and then we have a chance to respond or answer what they said. And that will be the end of that. Like I said, uh, the Peterson uh, Ethics uh, PRB still has that to look forward to. But this one's getting close to being ripe, and we have an answer that's due here in a little bit. 
will be timely in that answer, and then the Public Review Board will review it and uh, do what they plan on doing with it, uh, whether it's uh, anything. I don't want to. I don't want to get any uh, predisposition on their part, but they will take action in whatever way they deem necessary, based on what's been written on black letter print on these appeals. Uh, so, uh, and Ford, uh, the last bargaining unit, uh, the leadership there chose not to put this in. Uh, I'm not sure why, but that appeal, uh, to our knowledge, is not in the process. Uh, so General Motors and is there. Chrysler was not identified in time. We identified it. I identified it on another show uh, on or about October, or November 5th. You can go back and listen to the show if you want to verify that. Uh, and said that I believe this is something we need to write, write an appeal on. And, and we did. It's a matter of you know, the idea that um, only people in the pension plan ought to be voting on the pension plan. This is a benefit for retirees. And the IUAW in 2007 bifurcated the membership by cutting their wages in half, ending their pension plan, and ending their health care plan. They bifurcated. They caused this and then didn't make the corrections to protect the people still in the pension plan. That's the sum and total crux of this issue. Uh, there's a lot of little nuances about it, but that's the sum and total crux of this particular one. Uh, and they caused this, and we're just seeing some problems with it and didn't get identified for Chrysler. It was for GM. People acted on it, and the appeal was uh, adjusted for the Ford folk and given to Ford folk uh, to uh, move on that, and that did not occur. So in the answer that's being written, we're going to try and ask that all three, because this is dealing with a constitutional matter of the UAW Constitution, and we're going to be asking that this answer from the Public Review Board be global in nature and take into consideration all three companies and, and uh, departments of the UAW. So we will see how they rule on that, and we're going to ask right now in public that they be global in their decision because it's simply wrong what's gone on here. And uh, it's one thing to be open and above board and have people vote on something that they know about that's not incentivized by people that might as well be homeless on the street and given a $20,000 a year job to come and vote yes on it because they're not in the plan. That's just simply wrong. So those are the issues. Those are, that's where the, the appeals are at so that everybody now knows um, and what divisions have them, what departments have them, and what, don't, what departments don't have them, and the reasons why. You all know now. Uh, so that was uh, something that came up uh, earlier in the week. So we feel that it's only fair that everybody knows. So uh, having said that, um, uh, David, do you – have anything on that matter? Uh, I think um, no, I support. I'm in support of both parties. 
I know both parties and uh, I support them both. Um, I hope that uh, the Public Review Board corrects these issues in both matters um, internally. That's about all I have to say. Thank you, David. I, I also hope that we can resolve this internally because there have been things written, properly written, in these agreement, in these appeals that, quite frankly, don't belong in the public arena. So we really want these resolved in, ter- internally inside the uh, UAW uh, process. But, uh, you know, I hope, I hope that beyond hope that the public review board acts as you've indicated, David, and, and uh, uh, finds redress for these wonderful men. They happen to be two men that, that survived. It's one, one lady had one in, uh, in the GM department, uh, and that somehow got sidetracked. So, uh, but having said that, um, these, these gentlemen are brothers of the UAW, active brothers are, amazing people and we really appreciate what they're doing here we really do and we're supporting them in every way we know how and we urge all the listeners all listeners to continue send the letters in it's still not untimely to go ahead and send a letter in to the public review board on Starkweather uh, Avenue or Drive uh, and you can look that up on UAWPublicReviewBoard.com, I think it is. Find out the exact address. I don't have it right in front of me. And send a little letter of support into them. We had some t- uh, templates on the uh, Working for a Living Facebook page. Those have rolled down. They're still available, though. You can go down and find them for that, uh, to do that. Just add your name uh, and uh, your address on there so that they can get it, know who you are. Uh, having said all of that, uh, I think we're uh, we're uh, good with that. I don't see anybody wanting to talk from the switchboard. We thank the people that that called in just to listen while they're on the switchboard. We really appreciate that. Thank you very very much. Uh, and uh, with that, every uh, we'll, we'll close this up. Uh, um, do you have anything to say at all? Yeah, anything to say at all, David? Yeah, I was um, hoping that you would um, give me a little bit of leeway to go a little bit longer. Um, I have a couple things I would like to talk about, um, if uh, that's okay with you. Oh, sure. I mean, um, this is this is. I mean, every week we ask the co-hosts uh, to say whatever they want to say, and it's uh, you know, if you have something on your mind, go ahead and say it. Okay. At the beginning of uh, the show, when you made the announcement, you talked about our uniform brothers and sisters in Canada. Um, I want to say that I didn't do the research on this myself. Um, John Irwin, he is a reporter for the Automotive News. Um, I'm giving him credit for this because it is his work, and I will read it um, the way he wrote it. Um why Unifor picked a fight with GM. Unifor certainly isn't taking the easy way out and selecting General Motors on Tuesday as its target company for pattern bargaining negotiations. The union is setting itself up for a fight as the September 19th deadline approaches. 
Unifor's demanding product commitment at GM's Oshawa assembly plant where no products are scheduled to be made beyond 2019, as well as the St. Catharines, Ontario propulsion plant. GM, meanwhile, has repeatedly said it will not discuss investments until after a new labor deal is ratified. To say, to say Unifor faces an uphill battle in securing new product in Oshawa would probably be an understatement. Global economic trends have sent most auto investments southward for much of the past 20 years, and there are no obvious products awaiting to be shipped to Oshawa. After promising new products and job security, Unifor President Jerry Diaz and the union leadership risk taking major hits to their credibility if they fail to get GM to back off its hardline stance. But there is plenty for Unifor to potentially gain from picking a fight GM as picking GM as the target. And there are several reasons why it makes sense to do so. Immediate dust up. As Kristen Dietrich director of the auto and our industry labor and economics group at the Center for Automotive Research in Ann Arbor, Michigan, told me on Tuesday, unions typically take one of two approaches to selecting a target automaker. One way is to pick the company the union knows it can get the best deal out of. Had Unifor taken this route, it's possible it could have secured new investments with Ford and Fiat Chrysler Automobiles before negotiating with GM, potentially putting pressure on the company to follow its competitors' leads, in theory, at least. But GM thus far has publicly signaled zero interest in backing off its stance on investment, and I think it's unlikely that it would have solely because Ford and FCA have promised no investment at their plants in this hypothetical scenario. So that leaves... The second opinion option, excuse me, which is to climb the mountain, as Dietrich told me, going to be a struggle at the negotiating table or a strike. It's best to get it out of the way early. Or as Diaz told reporters on Tuesday, if we're going to have a dust-up, we might as well have it immediately. Some leverage. While Unifor lacks leverage at Oshawa, it does hold a key piece of high ground at the St. Catharines plant, which produces engines and transmissions for 12 GM models, including top sellers such as the Chevrolet Silverado pickup, GMC Terrain, Chevrolet Equinox. A prolonged strike at St. Catharines would impact the company's CAMI assembly plant in Ingersoll, Ontario, which builds the equinox and terrain. CAMI workers cannot strike because they are under a separate labor agreement that expires in 2017. But Diaz told Reuters on Tuesday that GM would be foolish to ship in engines from anywhere else because their workers there won't accept them. A prolonged strike then could potentially spell trouble for GM which can still afford to lose out on production of some of its highest selling crossovers and pickups in a market unfavorable to cars. In character, and frankly, it would have been out of character for Diaz to pick a company other than GM. 
when Diaz became Unifor's first president, he said it was his mission to make the Canadian labor movement stop playing defense and begin to play offense. The support metaf- the sports metaphor he employed is appropriate in every interaction I've had with Diaz. I've come away with a sense that he must get a major adrenaline rush from contentious negotiations such as these. Passion he has for his cause is so intense that you'd be for- forgiven if you thought you were listening to a football coach firing up his team in the locker room. So perhaps it should be no surprise that GM was chosen as the target. Diaz is a fighter, and there's no doubt he has a massive fight ahead of him. That's the end of the uh, article. That issue. Okay. So if you have anything um, to add to that, Larry. I I do, uh, uh, David. Uh, the uh, Canadian auto workers uh, now under Unifor, uh, the union called Unifor, uh, led by uh, Jerry Diaz, uh, has a yeoman's task before them. This is, as indicated in this article that's been well written, uh, they have some very, very tough days ahead of them. They do have some trump cards in their in their deck, in their hand. Now, let me just digress a little bit and say why they're having such a tough time up in Canada. Part of it's NAFTA, and you've heard me mention uh, that I, I brought to everybody's attention in, in the early 90s, uh, everybody I talked to you about uh, the tax imbalances and how GATT and what NAFTA did. Of course, everybody knew about NAFTA. But I actually said there's some things that should be done. I just didn't complain about it. And I said that, like I said on the show here a couple, on the 31st of July, um, that you have two G, uh, G7 countries, the top-tier country, and you had one-third world country, and you lump them all in, all in the same bucket, North American bucket, without having any protections for the two top-tier countries. And also building in some protections for the third-tier country. It's a simple little thing. You input minimum wage onto all the products coming here, at least minimum wage. And you don't keep the money, you send it back to Mexico so they can build their infrastructure. Real simple. That was not done. And it's hurt the United States and it's hurt Canada. And it's wrong. Now, having said that, they're also having some problems in Canada because of the negotiations that have been done here in the United States with contract language such as I read earlier this evening that said you should do more work for the same money. And it's hard to go to Canada and ask for something better than that when that's your your brothers and sisters across the border that are negotiating 
sometimes just a couple of miles away across the Detroit River from Windsor, Canada, and they're negotiating these kind of agreements. Jerry Diaz came to the conventions and asked that they address Tier 2, they address all these other things. Please do that so we can have a smaller, uh, us, a smaller group of auto workers can have some bargaining power that's not been already undermined by your agreements here in the United States. That's wrong. It's simply wrong. Those two things are wrong. They're having a tough battle in Canada. I watched their convention as much as I could see because their video was in and out. But I watched it intently here last week. Jerry Diaz impressed me, and up to now he hadn't. But I'll tell you, he impressed me last week. He's a tough guy. Jerry Diaz, tough guy. I like that. He threw down the gauntlet at him. But I'm going to tell you this. Those workers are going to need our help. So when they go on strike, and they're going to, almost without fail, they'd be locked out or put on strike. We got some brothers and sisters down in Honeywell that we have on lockout now. So we know that that's a possibility. We need to get up off a wallet. And I'm not talking to just like the retirees and, and those people making tier two wages. I'm talking about you folks making the big money. The chairman, bargaining committee, international staff reps that fail to do your job. Some of you do. A lot of you don't. Leadership, they'll do their job. Get up off your wallet and send them some real money over there so they can sustain themselves. We need to support our brothers and sisters in this fight. It is a line in the sand that Jerry Diaz has drawn without question. And it's a turning point that we can hang our hat on. And Brother Diaz, bless you for doing it. I'm not a big fan on strikes, but I'm going to tell you something. They're long overdue. When you take somebody's livelihood out of their hands and put them on strike, you've got to really think long and hard about it. But I'm going to tell you something. We other folk that are receiving monies need to send a check to Unifor, to support these strikers when they go out. you got to do it. You're making a lot of money. There's people that could write a $5,000 check to Unifor, 20 or 30 of them in a local union. $100,000 goes a long way to, to help support. That's a single local union. You need to get up off your wallets 
because your livelihood is at stake with their success. Here in the United States, your livelihood's at stake with their success in Canada. You don't think so? Keep looking at the agreement I just read to you. So having said that, Brother Fillion, thank you for bringing that out and reporting it. We really appreciate that. Did you have another item you want to talk about? Um, just one more. Um, I wanted to announce the passing of a GM member. Um, his name was Matt Brown. Um, he worked for uh, Local 652. Um, he was a great guy. Um, he uh, lost his uh, battle with cancer. Um, he fought a tough battle for a little over a year, I believe. Um, he was one of those kind of guys that uh, he always could find the good, you know. But uh, it really was any. Uh, so he passed away on September 3rd, and uh, he left behind a lot of uh, grandchildren and uh, children of his own. So um, my thoughts go out to his family. And that's about it. Okay, David. Uh, you know, our thoughts from working team working for a living go out to him as well. Uh, he's a member from your home local union, so I'm sure that you know him well. And uh, all the things that you've said are uh, very kind on, in his memory. So uh, our th thoughts and prayers go out to him. And having said that, do uh, you have anything else, David? Nope, that's certainly right. Other than I'm tired okay. of making those announcements. Okay. I. Uh, other than what did you say? I say other than I'm tired of making those type of announcements. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Let me tell you, a lot of stuff going on lately, and some friends passing away. So, uh, having said that, uh, again, we our hearts and prayers, thoughts and prayers go out to the Cindy Estrada family, everybody that was affected in 9-11, brother uh, from Local 652, and all of those who we don't know have fought a good fight and have not left us. We appreciate everything you've done and our benefit. So having said that, let's uh, let's... Wrap this up. Please remember our email address is workingforaliven at workingforaliven.com. Uh, go over there and, and uh, follow us uh, on Blog Talk Radio, Working for a Living. Click on follow and you'll get an email uh, reminding you of the show, uh, you know, a day or so before the show uh, comes live uh, so that you can try and catch us. A uh, reminder. It's always nice to get a little reminder. Um, the show's on podcast afterward. I know a lot of you are getting used to that, so it's nice. Uh, in you, the easiest way is probably just go to workingforaliving.com. Halfway down on the right side, sidebar is the podcast. Uh, of course, it's on Stitcher and soon coming. We haven't got word yet from iTunes, but we expect to. There's nothing that they shouldn't knock us out of the box for. Um, and we support them, too, by the way. Uh, if you found value in this show this evening at all, please tell just one more person about this show. 
Thank you. Uh, let's give a hearty shout out to all our friends in Brook Park, Flat Rock, Tonawanda, New York, Lodestown, Ohio, my uh, hometown there, Youngstown. Uh, Flint, where I hired in at this sit-down strike, Pioneer Hall, 659, hired in there. Pontiac, Detroit, Bedford, Indiana, Lansing, Toledo, Chicago, Kansas City, Fairfax, Kansas, St. Louis, Wentzville, Arlington, Chattanooga, Doraville, Santa Cruz, California, out there to the graduate assistants. Hang in there. You're doing a good job. And everybody else around the country and the world, Mexico and Canada, who listen in. I got to say Norway, because we got a bunch of people listening to this podcast from Norway just signed up. Thank you very much, brothers and sisters in Norway. How about that over there in Scandinavia? We love you. Thanks for, thank you for your support. Uh, listeners and David, uh, stay safe throughout the coming week, and I'll say good night, David, and good night, listeners. Good night. Have a good week. Bye-bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.